transformed in the likeness of you. Take the words that I have written down and use them for your glory. May they not hear me, but may they hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Psalm 139, like I said, is basically a diary of David's complete wonder and awe in his relationship with God. You know, he had realized that no matter what situation he went through or choices that he had made, and he made some pretty dumb ones, that God still loved him. And that God's love was bigger than any of us could ever imagine. And it strengthened his relationship with God and his relationship of God. When my kids were really young, they loved to do experiments. And when we would do experiments and they would see the final finale of what was going to take place, they would just stand there and be like, wow, let's do it again. And we just recently adopted a little seven-year-old, and not too long ago, he said he had gotten like a bag of M&Ms on a Wednesday night program, and he goes, Mom, when we get home, we've got to get a bowl of milk and dump the M&Ms in, and I'm like, why? And he's like, because it makes a rainbow. So we went home, we grabbed a bowl of milk, we threw the M&Ms in, and we both just stood there and went, wow. I'm like, are there any more M&Ms? Let's do it again. They were all gone. Bummer. (laughs) But that wow and that excitement is what I hope you regain today in your relationship with God and seeing the bigness of his love and the intricacy of his detail in creation. I know for me that there was a season in my life when I went off to high school and I started to learn all these scientific facts. I started to hang out with friends that didn't go to church and didn't know God and hear all their facts about life. And I started to lose that awe and that wonder of God. And then also as I've matured in my faith, it's almost like I become desensitized to what God is doing around me. And seeing the bigness of his power. Because scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. So we've, we can lose that. And we need that wow and that excitement in our relationship with God. So today we're going to look at Psalm 139. And point number one that I want to really impress on you is that he knows you. The first six verses that we're going to read talk about the omniscience of God. It's a really fancy word for God knows all. He has perfect and complete knowledge of all things, and he knew all things about King David. He knows all things about me, and he knows all things about each and every one of you. So let's go ahead and start, and I'm going to break this down as we move through the scripture today. O Lord, you have searched and known me. I want to stop right there. It literally means you have examined me. You have dug down deep to know me. It is a kind of frightening sense if you think about it. He knows everything about you. He knows every thought. He knows every motive, either good or for bad, he knows everything. 
about you. But yet, he still loves you, good, bad, or ugly. Lord, you have searched me and completely known me. Now, I know for some of you here today, I just want to pause. It might be a little intimidating. If you're not right with Lord, and maybe you were out last night doing some stuff that you know you shouldn't have been doing, it can be a little intimidating. But I want to say, stick with me. He loves you. He saw it. Like I said, he saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. But he still loves you. That all, and it says, Lord, you have searched me and completely known me. That all things, and all things are naked um, and open before your eyes, God. Just a second, sorry. And it says, as we think about that, you know, Adam in Genesis, he, he had taken of the forbidden fruit. And he thought he could hide from God, but God could still find him, right? And even Cain had killed his brother Abel. But God still saw him. Every thought of jealousy or of hate, every malicious deed every text to the person you shouldn't be texting, every explicit picture or movie that you are watching lays completely bare before the Lord. What is also beautiful here is that he still knows you and he still loves you, and a lot of times we are weary of entering into relationships because we don't want people to completely know us. We have to become very vulnerable. We say stuff like, oh, you don't really want to get to know me because you wouldn't like me in the first place. Or if you knew all the things that I've done in the past or what I do, you wouldn't want to be a part of my life anyway. People are afraid to be themselves and afraid of people leaving them when they discover the true them. It is comforting to know that he knows us all and he wants us unconditionally, no strings attached. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it all together. As I was researching that, I was like, how could he know the words even before we think them? But in Hebrew, it says that he knows the thoughts before the vanishing point. There's a chemical process that goes on in your brain. If you've ever done neuroscience study, there's a chemical process that happens before a thought is even formed. He knows it even before that chemical process. Crazy. Wow. Just to think about that. God knows your thoughts before you even think them. As David is thinking about how intricate and detailed God is, and his knowledge of him, then he continues to say, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too high, and I cannot attain it. David is trying to understand God's greatness, and he just blew that fuse of awe. Ah. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, and it sounds like Pastor Vaughn with this prayer of this young lady, he had that moment of awe. 
but I remember one just in nature. It was about six years ago, I directed a camp up at Camp Wonderview in Colorado. After all the leaders and all the students went to bed, I just went out in the middle of the field and just looked up at the stars. I don't know if you have ever been on a mountaintop at night, but the stars seem brighter and the moon seems closer. And as I was just looking up there, I was thinking of all the students that were at camp, and I was thinking of all the leaders. And then I started to think of all the stars and how far they were and the rotations of the planets. And I mean, it got overwhelming. I could sense the Holy Spirit, but I could also really start to sense the bigness of God. And I remember just going to my knees in the middle of that field and just singing and worshiping God. See, David knew that this was important. Awe helps us in our worship. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me and too high. I cannot attain it. We need to understand that we can study God. You can go and you can dig out your Bible. You can dig all the scriptures and get down to finding out what the Hebrew and the Greek and all of that means. But in the end, you'll never know the bigness of God. You'll never understand everything about God. G. Campbell Morgan said, when all my attempts of exegesis have failed, I just worship. Exegesis means the study of God's word. They can sit there and theologians, and they can just go through the scripture and continually study, but there's sometimes they just don't understand everything. They can put their own spin on it or through history, but in the end, they just have to worship because of God's bigness. And really today, I hope that you don't leave church and you think, oh, that was a great worship set. Oh, it was really good to see Pastor Tammy. Oh, I love seeing so-so. I hope when you leave here that you start to see scripture in a different way that you'll look at the trees and think about them in a different way. You'll look at your friends and your neighbors in a different way. And that you will just have that moment of worship because that's what we're created to do is to worship God all the days of our life. As we continue in Psalm 139, it says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Point two is that God is present. This is the omnipresence of God. Another fancy word that means that he is present here and everywhere. Listen to the extent of it as David continues. He says, if I ascend to the heavens, you are there. And if I go to bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, I have to stop right there because uh, Jonah in the Bible, he was told by God, you need to go to Nineveh, okay, to save my people in Nineveh. And he decided instead of going 200 miles to the west to reach them, he would go 200 miles to the east, thinking that he could run and get away from God. But God captured him in the belly of a great fish. But even there, when he cried out of the belly of that giant fish, God heard him. And God still used him. Every, 
Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the night about me, even darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, and the darkness is as light with you. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. I love the words, your hand shall hold me, because I've learned this on my journey with God. I just want to share a little bit of a testimony. My husband had had a job that for almost 15 years, and he had lost it. And then it was a couple years after that, I lost my job. So we had built our life on this income that we had established over all of these years, and we had not been taught the right ways to take care of our finances, and we had just come to complete shambles. And I remember this particular day, and I journaled on it because we had no food in the house at all. And I went to the cupboards, and I opened it up, and all I had was flour and baking soda. And I'm thinking... All I want is just a good batch of Mexican food. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to try my best, and we're going to make tortillas. So I took that, and I'm just crying, and I'm angry, and I started to say things to God like, don't you see me? How is this our fault? You know, and just, you know how we do when bad situations come up. We start to wonder if God still thinks about us and still wonders about us and if he's going to take care of it or not. So I'm crying, and I'm like, all I want is enchiladas and refried beans, but no, we're going to make these tortillas, you know. And when they came out, they were disgusting. I can tell you they were about that thick. Do not know how that happened because I rolled them out thin. They were disgusting, huh, babe? (laughs) And I just remember thinking, this is all we've got. This is all we've got. Well, as we're getting ready to eat dinner, I get a phone call. Tammy? Yes. Hi, this is Robbie, and I don't know why I was making dinner, and we have a whole bunch of Mexican food left over. And God just told me I needed to give you a call. What? I mean, I was started to cry, and she's like, would you like some? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) You don't want to break the pride and tell someone, you know, hey, this is what's going on. But anyway, when she came to the door, she delivered this wonderful meal to us. But here's the other thing you guys don't know is that there was a concert that was in town. It was KJ52. If anybody knows KJ52, you are my friend for life. He was amazing, still is amazing. But anyway, she came to the door, and she hands me this food. And then right after that, because my kids had been telling me, you know, we really wish we could go to this concert. And I was having a fit about that in the kitchen, too. But out of the blue, she says, we have four extra tickets available for this concert, and I was just wondering if you guys wanted them. Can I tell you, when I closed the door, all I remember doing, of course, we made the food safely over to the table, but I remember just falling flat on my face and just weeping. My God, you know me so well, and you are with me when I'm in the kitchen having a tortilla tear fest, and you heard me, and you knew, and you want to bless me, and you want to be there for me. God knows me and keeps his hand on me. And there are times that we're going to go through life, and we're going to think weird things about God. 
and we're going to say things to God that we never intended to say. I know I've been there. And then after the fact, and he shows up, you're like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Why did I say that? There are going to be times when we're going through those trials that we're going to space out the goodness and the greatness of God. But his hand is forever on you. So God knows your ways, he knows your thoughts, and he knows your tendencies to wander. But you might ask, how can you truly know me that well? As we look at scripture, it says, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted, and in some versions it says, you wove me together or hedged or hemmed me in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame has been hidden from, was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. So when you were a zygote and then a fetus, God still saw you. You intricately wove me in the depths of the earth, and your eyes saw my unformed substance. According to scripture, I just really have to stop right here. There was never a time that you were not a person and then became a person. In his eyes, you have always been his creation, and you are full of personality. Always. And it was even before you were in your mother's womb, because if we continue to look in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you the prophet to the nations. God knew you even before you were in your mother's womb. He knew who you were and how he wanted to use you for his glory and for his purpose. See, every time there's a birth, it's God's vote that life should go on. You are unique, and you are perfectly designed and presented for God's plan here on earth. You are not a mistake. Some of you might have parents that have told you that. You are not a mistake. You are here for a purpose and because he loves you. Some of you have been bullied terribly. You are not a mistake. And then there are some of you that because of years of deep depression, you start to think, I'm a mistake. You are not a mistake. You are a creation built with personality and a purpose and a plan by God. You, that leads me to point three, that God created you. Now, I love this part because of all the research that I've had to do. I want to leave with you guys the intricacy of your human system and what all God has put into it and bring that wow. In verse 14, it says, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, if you don't know this, I was actually a nurse for many years, and before that, I wanted to become a cardiologist, but because of the money and the years of school, <laughs> I decided to become a nurse, but I enjoyed doing the study of the human systems, and as I was doing that, I just would go into these times of just wondering how God figured this all out, <laughs> 
how did he figure out all the detail and everything that he wanted to put into not only the plants and the trees, but each of us individually. So to give you that moment of awe in God's creation of you, did you know that there are approximately 30 trillion cells in every human body? 30 trillion. I had a gentleman come up to me the last time I preached this, and he said, actually, in some of the larger males, there's 100 trillion cells in their bodies. I'm like, okay, we'll go with that. So 30 trillion or 100 trillion cells in a human body. Each cell has a nucleus, and then each nucleus has a million tiny components working within it. There was a scientist that said that each cell inside of each nucleus, it's like a mini Tokyo Japan working just to keep that cell going. Crazy. And then each nucleus has 23 pairs of chromosomes, 23 from mom and 23 from dad. And then each cell has a DNA spring. They say that if you would take one of those springs and that you would lay it out flat, that it would lay out flat 7.5 feet long. That's one DNA cell from, or one DNA strand from one cell. 7.5 feet long. And then they said that it's so thin that the strongest microscope cannot see through it. Then if you would take each cell, flatten DNA strand, lay them end to end, that they would reach from the earth to the moon and back 100 times. That's just one cell. Or, yeah, all the cells, sorry. And then it says, if you could take and transfer all the information in one cell and transpose it into the pages of books, it would fill 4,000 books. I want to make sure you understand, just all the information from one cell would be 4,000 books. And then if you take all the information from the 30 trillion cells, scientists estimate that it would fill the Grand Canyon 200 times. If you've never been to the Grand Canyon, like I've not been, I wanted to know how big is the Grand Canyon. So the Grand Canyon is 277 miles long with a width of 18 miles wide and a depth of 5,000 feet deep. I don't know about you, but that leaves me in a moment of awe to know all the detail that went into one human body. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and when exegesis fails, I just praise you. As we continue in verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, or more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. 
When in doubt, just go to the scripture and think about if God thinks about you. It says right here, he thinks his thoughts are more numerous than the sands on the earth. So you can go to Cancun, or if you're somebody like me, you can go to Lake McConaughey and just pick up a handful of sand and try to just count out 10 grains of sand and then 20 and then 30 and then just let the rest fall through your fingers. Then I want you to look at the beach around you and think about all the sand that's all over the earth. His thoughts are more numerous than the sand on this whole planet of you. And it even says in Matthew 10, 29 through 31, it says Jesus quoted saying that God knows the numbers of hairs on your head. He's even concerned about a sparrow that falls down. I just imagine God sitting up there in heaven, okay, on his throne. And as a sparrow falls from the ground, he's like, oops, there's another one down. Oh, there's another one. Oh, Bob, he combed his hair this morning and he lost 10 hairs. But with technology today, he's cheering on Steve because Steve's gained another five. So he keeps count of all the hairs on your head. That's how much he loves you. God is concerned. He is detailed. But he's so concerned and detailed that he continues to search you out and wants to rescue and redeem you, which is point number four. God is a search and rescue mission. Now, we saw that David knows that God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, and that he is only human. But he finishes with the Psalms. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see there if any grievous way is in me, and lead me to the everlasting. In other words, God, I need you to search my heart. I need you to find anything that is wrong and rescue me from it. I want my life to be intertwined with you, and am I depending on you, God, to reveal it to me? There are, here, there are some of you here today that are realizing how powerful God is. And you also are learning how much he has put into you and how much he thinks about you. But here's the deal. He has constantly been pursuing you in a relationship with you. That is exactly why Jesus was sent to us was to seek and save the lost. He wanted to have an intimate relationship with you. He knows you, he created you, and he searches you out. I want to tell you, without telling my whole testimony, I was abused by my parents. I was abandoned, alone, but God became my dad, my father. He has known me through and through. And the good and the bad and the ugly, he loves me too much for um, him not to completely complete me as the new creation in Christ as he's promised through scripture. He promised that he would never leave or forsake me, and he promised the Holy Spirit to build, comfort, and disciple me my whole life. I am a child of an all-knowing, all-present, creative, and detailed, and rescuing God. You are the same. You were created 
by a loving, pursuing, rescuing God. He intimately wove you together for his plans and for his purpose. He has seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. He has seen the wrong choices, and he's seen the good choices. But he doesn't see you where you are today. He sees you as fully complete in Jesus Christ. The powerful, mighty, loving God wants you. He wants you to realize all the detail, planning, and wonder he put into your life. And he wants to give you a life of freedom, inheritance, and transparency with him. Now, remember earlier I mentioned that I love to write poetry. Well, this is a poem that I wrote when I was 16 years old, and I had been legally emancipated and felt completely alone. And I want to share it with you. I walk into the church room, and I am filled with nothing but regret and an overwhelming gloom. I feel a heaviness and a nudging to where I need to be. My heart skips and thuds inside of my very being. I want to resist and just go back to what I truly know. But up there, by you, God, all I see is hope and release. I want to be free, and I need to be who you've created me to be. I want to be able to climb and jump and run. Through you is my strength. Through you is my destiny. I need to be free. As I approach your glory, I feel shame and regret. I want to forget all the past, but yet. I would feel so much more comfortable to go back to what I know. Deep within, I know I would just be in bounds of chains. I need to be free, and I need to be who you've created me to be. I need to climb. I need to jump. I need to run. Through you is my strength. Through you is my destiny. I need to be set free. Healing words of truth jump off the pages of your good book. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Might be given to all of those who believe. Now before... You, I lift my hands, my heart, my past. You, Lord Jesus, take it all and forgive me at last. I am free. I am who you created me to be. I will run, climb, and dance. You are my strength. You are my destiny. I am free. If everybody would bow their heads. There are some of you here today that you've heard this and never really realized how much God truly, truly loves you and how much he put into the detail of the making of your life. Or you've just become desensitized because of a long walk with God. But today God has revealed to you again and wants to refresh that awe and that wonder in your relationship with him. If that is you, just raise your hand. Okay. And there are some of you here today that maybe have never accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
and you want to be free like I felt in my teen years. And you just want that release so you can just be used by him in a mighty way. He knew you were going to be here today. He knew when you drove on this lot. He sees you seated in that chair. And he loves you so much. And he wants to use you in such a powerful way. But he needs you to completely release and surrender to him. So he can make you that new creation in Christ and use you fully for his purpose. If that is you, would you just raise your hand? No eyes looking around. Okay. All right. Jesus, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your message. It says in Scripture that you promised that your word would not return void. So I pray for each person that is here, that God, that they would go out and see you in a new light, in a new way, and that you would just plant your seeds deep in what they needed to hear today, that you would use it for your glory and kingdom. And God, I pray that they would be able to share with others how loved they are and how pursued they are by Jesus Christ because he loves them so much. Lord, we give you all the glory and the, king and, and the praises in Jesus' name. Amen.